first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Um, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, welcome everyone. I hope you're having a good day. This is a very long interview, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time up front. Our guest is... Jake, the voice par of E1M1 Magazine, is also a notable voice actor and radio show host. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Not going to waste your time trying to tell you what it is. Just listen to this beautiful custom intro that I've created, especially for this podcast. And when it's over, you will be in the keep with Jake, the voice. Jake, a great pioneer. These are the voices of myself and Jake Parr. Our continuing mission, to explore strange new virtual worlds, to seek out new games and old classics, to boldly go where no gamer has gone before. So I'm gonna actually change up the way I do this for this one because it'll think it'll be fun. Typically I ask something like, uh, you know, who are you and why are you here and what have you done so far? And just leave it an open-ended question. But what I really want to know is uh, what in uh, your right mind made you think that it was a good idea to make a magazine about retro shooters? <laughs> um, well, originally it technically wasn't my idea. Um, I was actually browsing one day in uh, July on Facebook and I joined a retro kind of um, you know, a retro game community, just people kind of like slapping together images, hot takes, and YouTube channels, stuff like that. And then I just all of a sudden just saw this random post by a chappy called Zach, and uh, saw that, and he said, "Hey, uh, I want to make a retro shooter magazine. Who's interested?" And we got a handful of people like who went in there and dropped comments saying, "Yeah." And I thought, "This this sounds brilliant. This sounds like definitely like uh, my forte." So. <clears throat> I got in contact. We got all us all together in a uh, little uh, messenger group. We got talking about it, and clearly, clearly, I think Zach kind of knew that uh, I was pretty confident about this idea, and I had a, quite a few ideas to kind of throw under. So we kind of, I think, we just kind of clicked with some of these ideas we were going for. We, we clearly felt like we were taking the lead, and we both had the most experience of the bunch. So what happened after that was. We decided to like get ourselves in Discord, get ourselves some online documents, basically just fling ideas together, just grab as many like games to talk about, and then ideas, you know, oh, let's do some interviews, let's do some uh, features, like top five lists. And uh, so from that point onward, really, it was just kind of like throwing, just throwing, smashing stuff together to the point where we thought that, okay, well, 
we we have like some kind of relatively concrete foundation to work on here. Let's keep going. So uh, that's that's essentially the uh, the origin of E1M1 magazine. It all pretty much started off with just one random person posting on a on a group on Facebook, and then me just randomly going, "Hey, I'm interested." Yeah, I mean, it is 100% super cool. I mean, I have my copy of uh, issue number one sitting next to me right here. But on the other hand, it is, you know, it's 2021 now, and who the fuck reads magazines? Uh, (laughs) You know, I've actually had a few people um, kind of echo that same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I admit, I admit, I technically don't read magazines myself. Um, like I haven't done it in a long while, but it's. I know it's ironic. It's on. It's like it's like when people say, "Hey, Jake, you're a community radio DJ. You, you like the radio?" I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I hate. I hate radio. There's no yeah. good music on it. And so what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a radio show and play stuff I want to hear and other people want to hear and what I want to talk about and other people want to hear about. So it's the same case with this. Really, it's like. I, I did have like a bit of a soft spot for like um you know like uh, magazines back in the day when they were a bit mm-hmm. more relevant. Yeah. With this though, it, it kind of it kind of felt like that personally, and I think a lot of people kind of felt the same way. They thought, you know, what, a video game magazine? Oh yeah, just like you know, like, just like in the nineties and the early two thousands, like you know, actual reviews and content that wasn't well, probably mostly wasn't paid off by other people <laughs> or companies. You know, it's just. Just a bunch of guys just getting together, just talking crap about uh, video games and having fun about it. You know, it, it just that idea alone just seemed to really click with people. And I guess also, I guess people these days they they love physical media as well because you know, especially in the age of uh, digital yeah, content. Just look at video games, for instance. Te- tactile feel to it, you know, like you can touch it and hold it yeah. in your hands, and it's just. It's also a community, like the retro shooter community is largely a group of people who enjoy retro things, right? Like, it makes perfect sense that people who like 90s games also like other things that are kind of associated with that era. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a uniquely, um, I don't even know of a proper descriptive word to describe this community other than just passionate, like about what what their content actually is and i think that's part of the success that i've seen from you guys because you killed it with the first kickstarter and you just like immediately got a lot of support like i think we did we show the e1m1 trailer at realms deep i believe was kind of the yeah how how we got in touch yeah and yeah like as soon as i saw that like because i kind of i saw you guys floating around i was like fucking magazine are you kidding me? That'll never fucking be relevant. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh shit, this Kickstarter is like, I think I subscribed to your Kickstarter on the very last, like hour of the last day. Cause I was like, I've got to get, like, I have to support this somehow. This is like super cool. <laughs> nice timing. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, we, 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 uh, managed to get ourselves onto Realms Deep. I mean, we got onto that because, um, that was through Dave Oshry, actually. When we were kind of faffing around with ideas, and we decided, uh, I think it was like from the earliest point, we decided, you know what, let's get this fundraised. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the best way to kind of distribute it. We we had absolutely no idea that it would be that you know this popular. So we kind of flung something to Dave because it's like I, d- I didn't really know Dave at a personal level. I mean, I, I got him like on my show once a very long time ago, and mm-hmm. on my uh, radio show a long time ago. 
flung around just a few messages for like uh, maybe press related things and I, th- I think i think he he also knows my um my radio interview stuff as well so he kind of you know knows that about a few people that he's friends with on there but um ultimately we, we just thought you know what let's let's give a copy to dave like a digital working progress copy and to say hey dave can we have some feedback what do you think of this does this, does this look good and um, Dave Dave Oshry is an absolute gem of a guy. He really is. He pretty much just went above and beyond with um, basically giving us some feedback, then said, hey, we can get you on Realms Deep if you want. I was like, well, Realms Deep? What's that? Oh, oh my god. Yes, please, could you get us on Realms Deep, mate? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So um, managed to give us a, basically a VIP pass on board. And we got the trailer all banged out, and he, again, he helps, uh, he helped coordinate with that and coordinate with ideas and... Um, he he also chips in with a bit of feedback regarding the physical kind of rewards, which um, mm. that sorting out those things were pretty tricky. But, um, but in any case, he's been like a like I say, a really, real, real team player with all that. And of course, when it dropped on um, Realms Deep, I mean, I had a few voice roles in Realms Deep with like uh, you know some introducing uh, certain people for I believe it was actually for your uh, Realms Deep interviews. You know, you just hear me yeah. going yeah, yeah, saying things right. like, "And now introducing," yeah, so. There were so many um, people involved. Like I, I was like, who, "Wait, who did that?" Like, because <laughs> it was all. You know, I think Jahar was handling most of most of that stuff as the director, and I was just like, "Wait, who who's doing the voice acting? Who's introducing me?" Um, but that was <laughs> yeah, cool. Really, like, they it was, gave me credits at the end. Worked great, man. I, God, yeah. That was such a special thing. Like, I, I I keep going on like every fucking interview since Realms Deep. We have to bring it up, but like that was such a a cool moment. Because we got to get in contact with people like you, like there was I, suddenly the scope of like who all's in this community. Like there was this kind of epi- center for everyone to come together. Because before that, it was just you know you're on these like message boards and these people are in this Discord and it, it's just all jumbled up. And now it's we have a home, and it feels so good to just be able to like go to one place and be like, hey, I can reach so and so really quickly. And all the amazing content because I was, Alex and I were essentially originally put in charge of like find all these like indie things that would fit into this thing and just like invite them all and, and then there were so many things that I was just not tracking and I'm afraid Zach's gonna probably take my job now, but <laughs> he's good man he's just got such an eye for stuff like very attuned. Yeah, I think Zach is, uh, I don't think I could have picked a better, um, mm-hmm. kind of co-creator or partner in all of this. Mm-hmm. He's very, uh, he's very kind of open-minded with giving it, giving a look into kind of like, you know, the less known things like, uh, like, you know, like obscure mobile phone ports of FPS games and the like. It's like anything, anytime he sees that, he'll, he'll jump on it and he'll reel it in and he will gladly work away with that. So very, um, like I say, incredibly talented dude. Really grateful to have him on board. I think every successful like team, you know, you typically have like a charismatic guy who's good at, I don't know, talking to people or promoting the brand or whatever the fuck that happens to be. And then you have the guy in the, like, that's kind of like semi, like, like if we're standing, uh, uh, people listening won't be able to see, but like we're standing here and then this guy that's right here, your right hand man, and he's always just like doing all the fucking hard work that everyone attributes to the other guy so like let's take for instance you know steve jobs uh clear example steve wozniak and then john romero john carmack blah 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 blah. yeah yeah for, for me like i have gilmo son and i couldn't do anything without this guy like he's 
he's done so much for in the keep that it's unbelievable. I've got to like cut him in on, if we ever make any money, he's getting cut in for sure. So, but then I don't know, like why, why is Zach not here? Cause I think I invited him originally to be on the show and he's like, no, you got to talk to Jake. Okay. I I guess probably because um probably because Zach would much prefer like uh, to get me on board with like um I guess I guess he likes to let me do some of the um press related stuff you know like um I mean we both we both run the social media accounts like we Mm -hmm. both run the discords and stuff but um usually when it comes to like um anything like interview or podcast related uh, anything like that. We can, I think we just kind of like mutually agree that if anything of the sort happens, where it's like you know jumping on a mic, uh, talking verbally, stuff like that, then I'm going to be stepping in to do that. And like when it comes <laughs> to the uh, Kickstarter trailers, it's like you know I step and go, like, I'll do it because I can record the stuff at my own pace. I'll write the scripts, I'll bag it out, I'll I'll organize yeah. the Kickstarter, and you know he'll he'll kind of add a bit of polish here and there. I'll, I I guess I kind of I kind of like to take the lead with certain things that I feel like fairly confident about. Um, which is kind of surprising for me. We're going with pretty low confidence issues, but um, you know, to, to kind of be able to kind of find something, take it and go, you know what, I feel confident with uh, putting this in my hands. Zach, is that okay? And Zach is completely trusting with me, but again, he's always he is always an incredibly reliable right-hand man with a lot of stuff, um, you know, always like chipping in with bonus ideas or uh, additional proofreading that I might need or um, contacting other kind of uh, smaller name indies on the side as well to kind of draw people in. Uh, he's always, he, he's the one who kind of takes the Twitter account and basically starts saying things like, you know, to all you indie developers out there, etc., show us your products. And that that's always a good way to kind of get the name out of other people's uh, stuff mm-hmm. here and there. Let's get a good pop out of that. Let's, uh, let's back this horse up a little bit cross that stream again. Sure thing. So I find this very interesting and you can decide how you want to answer it. But I've noticed that a lot of people who are extremely charismatic in their persona, like, you know, who they present to the world struggle with confidence in, in reality. And I'm speaking yeah. from personal experience. Like I've had major depression for most of my life. And yet People, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, you're super charismatic and like all this. I'm like, that's all a fucking front. <laughs> it's totally, I've, I've developed into my old, like my older years. I've like sought out help and I've gotten a lot better about it and I feel pretty confident now, but I totally get that. But what's your perspective on that? Where does that come from? Well, from my, from my side of things, I mean, I've, I've been through my fair share of crap myself. You know, I've, um, I've lost family members at a young age. You know, I've been a target for bullying for God knows how many years. Um, just had some pretty rocky kind of relationships and the like. Um, yeah. And ultimately I'm a pretty, to be honest, I'm a loner. I'm a pretty lonely guy with not a, not a very social person. I, I never, you know, I, I never go out to party I never smoke I never drink I never do drugs. So that way no one invites me anyway. Cause the boring. Must think they're boring. But, yeah. Look at the goddamn Puritan boy here. He's like, oh, shut up. Just let me enjoy my glass of water and peace guys. But, um, that happened to me last so, night. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I, I, I guess that, um, you know, I got, I just got, I had a lot of things on my plate that, um, for, you know, a long while now. I, I still got a lot of things on my plate at the moment. I'm still struggling, but I'm still getting by. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just think that, um, I guess sometimes, I, was, I guess sometimes there are kind of like outlets to be able to kind of like embrace 
embrace something and let your kind of you know kind of kind of channel that energy that's probably like somewhere inside of you kind of properly outward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess things like um, you know things like uh, E1M1 obviously is uh, probably one of the most uh, obvious examples, and you know getting getting stuff written out and banged out for people, and just seeing people kind of like you know fixated on our interests and get so invested in that is always great. I mentioned before many times, of course, my radio show. I think that's probably one of the biggest kind of like stepping stones for me, getting on the uh, community radio mm-hmm. and presenting shows. Because it's like, it's like, being, again, having an outlet with a bit of creative freedom as well. Right, you have the music total talk about the games. control over that. You know, it's, it's something that you solely can kind of like dictate how it goes, I guess. I, I'm not saying like you have total control over um, the radio, but... Well, we've, uh, I might as well, you know, I mean, I've rambled on enough about it, I might as well just start name-dropping and the like. Well, basically, um, I it was community radio, siren radio, I did this at university, mm-hmm. and um, I've been doing that for over six years now. Of course, I had to like put on a long hiatus now because of, uh, of the pandemic, but um, for the most part, it's a lot more flexible than commercial radio. Mm-hmm. Um for instance, you know, we're allowed to basically talk about what we want, allowed to play what we want, as long as it's mostly, you know, ro- mostly radio friendly. Right, I've got a few funny stories about that, which um, unedited, like Nas, New York State of Mind, like that's not going on the radio. I get that, but yes, sadly not. Like I said, I've got a few funny stories about that. I can share later <laughs> down the line, but um, but uh, otherwise, no, I, you know, basically, I guess it just took a little bit of time for me to kind of like. Get, mm-hmm. get myself kind of fit into the role of being behind the mic and get myself out there refining myself. And I guess the more I did that, the more kind of, um, I guess, I guess I felt like it perhaps it was giving a little bit more uh, flexibility as a result. I guess that more confidence, like the boss was more confident in my presenting skills and the like. So mm-hmm. that meant I could, um, you know, like I do a double show, do the live show Wednesday in the morning, then do a pre-record, sh- pre-record highlight shows in the, uh, the evenings on Sundays. And um, gets kind of warmed up to the music I was playing because I thought like, oh, Jake playing all this heavy metal in the morning. But eventually down the line, it's like, oh no, 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 he's, he's attracting a lot of people. I think we could. I'm sure we can just let him pop a few tracks <laughs> here and there to start uh, rattling yeah. people's brains out. Uh, and like, so, I mean, like I say with the uh, like I say with the original point again, things like that are just creative um, outlets, especially the really great way of I think kind of. Again, helping channel our energy and helping us kind of gain confidence because it's like you take something, you're really able to embrace it. And I think it's also a matter of like standing out a bit more. You know, you take mm-hmm. something that you're talented with, you're able to stand out a bit and say, hey, I'm doing something a little bit different, a little bit weird. And I can say, I'm proud of that. I, I'm proud to do this. I'm proud to say that. And I guess sometimes it's just like you're able to, doesn't have to be a persona per se. It can be like a bit of an extension of oneself. Like with me, like, if you catch me on Discord or anything like that, um, or Twitter or things like that, I like to be... I mean, I, I like my self-deprecating humor, of course. I mean, I can pretty be pretty straight-faced, surrealist humor as well. But I also like to jokingly kind of be egotistical, like especially on the radio where it's like, um, you know, you, you hop off the radio, you just let the ham and the ego get to you, like, all right, we're here on the Cyberdown Siren Radio. Don't listen to those jabroni radio stations out there. They want to play two songs every hour, the same ones you've probably heard plenty of times before, but not on the Cyberdown, no. We actually play music that at least three people out there, our three listeners, want to hear. Yeah, so clearly yeah. Uh, hot shots, right? You know, just kind of mucking around with that. So 
what kind of music really like gets to you? What what is it that absolutely just hits you right in the heart? Um, man, I've got a lot. Of, I've, got, I've got a lot of favorites. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of especially of like '90s bands or at least like albums, especially released in the '90s. But nah, I'm a little bit more flexible. It's usually heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, barring video game soundtracks, it's usually heavy metal. Like usually industrial metal, for instance. I mean, I love. Um, like, uh, Rob Zombie, um, but I also love a bit of, like, the heavier stuff, like, um, heavy stuff of, uh, Typo Negative, Rammstein, uh, a bit of grunge, Alice in Chains. KMFDM. Uh, like a bit of the more experiment. KMFDM, doing yeah. it again. Treat for the freaks, truth or dare. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's also a bit of, um, I like a bit of the more experimental stuff with, like, Faith No More, and, um, I think one band that I don't think a lot of people talk about would be... Um, uh, Liebach, which inspired mm-hmm. bands like Rammstein, um, uh, predated bands like Nine Inch Nails, another one of my favorites. Taking notes um, here, hold on. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, but definitely bands, bands like that are just like a selection of uh, some of my favorites. I think uh, there's a few, like, um, there's a few, um, left field choices you could say because i'm not always a heavy metal guy i love heavy metal and i love like especially have remixes of heavy metal bands like i love like remix hunting i think yeah. sometimes you can find some really awesome stuff if you dig around but um again it's not always it's not always heavy metal with me because like um i'm big fan of johnny cash i love uh i just love his kind of like you know country tunes um i think very approachable it's very catchy very memorable lyrics as well yeah um so definitely him. I like a bit of you know dabble with a bit of the prodigy. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure like there's a, a British person out there who probably doesn't love the the prodigy. So you know dabble a little bit of electronica. I think again the remix albums that I kind of hunted down with bands like Rob Zombie, for instance, kind of expanded my interest in electronica music and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like a little bit of industrial. Again, that kind of like branches out from Lieback. Lieback has some pretty industrial kind of stuff with these kind of. Like, yeah, they, they they take like a, for instance, they take like a hippie song, like um, like "Live Is Life" by Opus. It's like "Dear Life Is Life," dee, dee, dee. and then they just like they do a complete German cover of with like this big marching beat and go hey hey Leben Leben heißt Leben. It's like it sounds like it's some sort of like military Nazi kind of um kind of march <laughs> song but you listen to you check out the lyrics it's like oh hang on you know they did it with queen with you know one vision then they just dun, dun, sh, dun, dun. i'm i'm flesh i'm blood i war a grober yeah give me i'm light beard and you know it's just like they blow it so much out of proportion and people are like what the hell is this and you check the lyrics it's like oh oh it's queen okay yeah. <laughs> Queen, Queen was a, a uniquely powerful fucking band, man. Like they, they just they hit all the good spots, and, and I think that like you know, I think Bohemian Rhapsody is simultaneously like the best thing they ever did, and also not like everything else they did is so much better to me. Like go back uh, through the. Go ahead, no, no, you get your. I voice. was gonna say, I guess it's just mad. Matter of a matter of uh, taste, really. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Queen. To be honest, it's like you know, I know the popular oh, stuff, and anyone does. I love um, Queen. I never really, I I never really got into it personally because I guess there's yeah. a few reasons. Number one, um, 
Actually, I think one of the reasons probably is uh, going to places like work um, when a, a retail job, and you just hear them constantly play like under pressure over and over. It's like, look, I like a bit of Bowie and I like a bit of Queen, but it's like I don't want to be hearing this every hour because it just kind of sucks the fun out. I guess, I guess that's kind of thing. one of the reasons why. It's the worst thing about these like giant superstar bands is that they have like actual artistic integrity, and people just like, oh yeah, like they hear all the hits and they're like, yeah, okay. But the thing is, like, I mean, listen to the Highlander. Sorry, not the Highlander. Is it the Highlander soundtrack? Yes. Okay. Give me the prize, right? Uh, the Flash Gordon soundtrack, also, like, Queen. Th- their best shit is stuff that, like, gets written off, like, it never gets played on the radio. Like, it, it's just, there's a lot of bands, I mean, most bands like that. You know, people say, like, my favorite Metallica song is Inner Sandman. Like, go fuck yourself. Um, but my my general rule of thumb, and this might be the most pretentious thing I say all day, but my general rule of thumb is when you ask someone, like, what kind of music do you like, you know? They say, oh, I, I like a bit of everything. I, I just like music. Uh, whatever. I'm like, you don't really like music. That's my first instinct. And it, it's probably wrong, but it's like, we're not going to have an interesting conversation. <laughs> More than likely, it's like the radio-friendly stuff. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, Soft Cell. Oh, which ones? Tainted Love. Um, uh, what else? What else? Uh, N- Nirvana. Oh yeah. What, what do you like of Nirvana? Um, did, did they sing the song "Welcome to the Forest" and "Sweet Sweet Kid of Yours"? Please get out. <laughs> Please get out before I punch you. Uh, man, I don't know. I'm I'm one of those people like where people ask me like, "What kind of music do you like?" And I'm like, "I don't know. It's just like, what did I listen to today?" Because the answer is, I spent all day listening to Madonna. Like that's just the fact. <laughs> I I just As you I, do. I have a fucking weird thing where I just love Madonna. <laughs> but catch me on a different day and I'm like right here with the Wu Tang clan tattoo. Uh I mean you call it. Like I, I love Mastodon is probably my favorite metal band. I don't know how to categorize it. I love I listen to Thelonious Monk like all the fucking time. I love like Especially big band chat, not like Thelonious Monk's kind of just a piano player, but you know, Duke Ellington, Glenn Miller, uh, Benny Goodman, all that kind of shit. Like, it's just weird. I grew up in the Southeast too, so I have like this outlaw country thing going on. It's just catch me in a mood. That's it. Like, there's no, yeah, yeah. there's no further in, thing into it. You know, you, when you're a teenager, you kind of go through those phases where, like, yeah, I only like metal. I'm a hippie now. I just listen to Allman Brothers all day. But I don't know, man. Music is such a telling part of someone's personality, which is the reason why I wanted to kind of like dig into it a bit with you. Yeah, I think I think getting getting to know people through their music interests is mm-hmm. is it's always it's always a great great fun when you're able to kind of like get on one another's level, just go one to one like favorite bands and even if there's some that you don't necessarily agree with or haven't heard much of, kind of spark each other's interest. But then there's always like maybe one or two bands where it's like, hey, you know, I love those guys too and then, you know, <laughs> just start conversing that way. It's just it's just a great kind of outlet to start um exploring one's uh one owns uh one another's ideas about um you know music taste. And again, yeah, as I say, you know, People say, oh, you know, I love my heavy metal. And then they just throw left field like myself and say, well, I like a bit of Depeche Mode alongside. <laughs> but I love a bit of heavy metal. You know, it's 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 good to have like a pretty broad palette of um, different kind of flavors. It's funny because my, I, I remember you used to like, 
I used to get like a little bit of flack from my uh, from my brother and dad because they're like, oh, they only like Jake only likes like what three bands and he you know, listens to like a handful of songs. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So that that's something I kind of embrace as a joke, and it's like, um, especially you know, going around the house like with my flatmates or maybe going the radio as well. And it's like, hey, it's a cyber den. We we only know like two or three bands, and we we only play like two each anyway. So you don't you don't want to listen to this if you don't want to if you want to hear those again. We just uh, we just listen to Ramstein and Typo Negative, and that's it. You know, just because we play those kind of bands so much. But um, but like I say, like I say, it's just good to it's good to be broad and kind of you know have a pretty broad palette of uh, different bands and genres. It's great. It's a great segue when you like, you get to a band and certain kind of aspect about it, or maybe like, you know, remixes or maybe just like certain covers. And you kind of use that and that kind of helps you branch out. Again, I mentioned with, um, listening to Lieback. Um, well, listen to Rammstein got me into Lieback. Lieback got me a bit more interested in industrial. Listening to Rob Zombie remixes got me interested in the prodigy. And, um, you know, just like that, kind of branching out, in a sense. What about uh, DAF? Do you like them? Never heard anything by DAF. What? Oh, my God, dude. Finally. DAF, uh, Deutsch American uh, Franschup, or however the fuck they say it in Germany, I don't know. But incredible, like, like 80s industrial band, like, you're back, just... Just check them out. I'm not even going to try to sell it to you. Like, if you like what you Look, like, you'll probably me. find something you like in that. I'm going to take one stab in the dark here. Did, did, did DAF sing Alle gegen Alle? Or am I getting completely mixed up? Uh, I don't speak Deutsch, so maybe. I just listen okay. to the music. I, it, it, beyond, uh, like, Darren Mussolini, like, I, I understand what that song's about. I just like the music. Like, I, that's the beautiful thing. Uh, I think a lot of Americans really struggle with this, with uh, listening to music that they don't understand the lyrics, you know? Um, like, even Ramstein, like, they're pretty big everywhere, and there's a lot of fans of them here, but just in general, I don't think Americans like... They don't even want to read fucking subtitles. I can't get my watch, wife to watch a fucking yeah. anime with subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it just depends on how passionate you are with, like... um. Mm-hmm. I mean, with DAF, I actually just checked it. Yeah, they did sing Alla Gig and Alla, which is something that, uh, that's a lieback to the cover of. So, um, with, um, I guess with foreign bands, etc. cetera, uh, I think there's still an appeal to listening to a band with a different language. I mean, like, you know, with, with Rammstein, for instance, it's probably going to be like, that's like my main go-to example. I know that some people are probably like, oh, I don't want to listen to the subtitles. I don't want translations. But with some other people, it's like, okay, I'm going to check out the translation to this because it sounds awesome. It's like, wow, there's a lot of takeaway from this. Wouldn't have guessed at first, but I guess, as a result, you're able to kind of pick up on certain nuances depending on how the singer sings and the certain phrases, you know, mm-hmm. like for, for instance, Till Lindemann, for example, he likes to roll his R's when he's uh, singing and that kind of sticks to me when he does that as well. Rammstein is really good at the the playing on words thing. I mean, like, the obvious super big example is like Duhast is, has like five different course, meanings yeah. in German and yeah. his inflection can kind of change the meaning of a word on the fly. He's really good at that. And it's a beautiful thing. Definitely. About I remember uh, when I first got into Rammstein, I was probably, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. And we had a German exchange student shout out to Gabby. She might listen to this someday and I'm still friends with her, but she like would, I would be listening to this music and then she would just tell me what it meant. And it, it was like kind of a building block of our friendship. And, 
it okay. kind of led me to be more of a multicultural person. So yeah, that, that's I don't know. We can't talk about music all day. We got to talk about the magazine. At some point. I was, was going to say a shame, really. I was, I was interested in sharing some funny, funny stories about. Uh, Go ahead. That, that was yeah, gonna, I was going to say that was going to like you know step along with that because it's funny because I I played Mind Tile on the radio before you know the song about um Mind <gasps> Nine, <laughs> but um. The you know the the cannibal song about Armand Mivis cutting a man's wang off and then trying to eat it and uh, make a song about it. Yeah, I played that in the radio. I got away with it. I also played oh there were so many songs I played like I think at least once or twice, but I got away with it somehow. Like you know sometimes you play a song you don't realize there's a swear there, but when you when you check or the the, the uh, co-host pointed out and it's like oh god. Ugh. Please don't get myself yeeted off the. And it's not like you yeah, played waves. pussy on the radio like that would be. <laughs> Stick Bratwurst in dein Sauerkraut. I've actually, I've had, I actually said that a few times before, but <laughs> I've, I've said comments like that before, like quoting you know, inappropriate lyrics, like you know, especially in German. But no one catching me out. I, I um, I think the most infamous example of a song, probably two songs, I should never have played. Um, Rob Zombie's "Well, Everybody's Fucking in a UFO" because I, I somehow managed to censor that. But, you know, when you put the original song details in for, like, anyone listening in, they can read that and uh, say, hang on a minute, this guy may be censoring it, but he's playing a song with this title. But I had, like, you know, kind of censor the writing and saying, oh, uh, this is, well, everybody's <clears throat> in UFO by Rob Zombie. So that <laughs> and also, um, oh, what was it? Black, Black Sunshine by White Zombie. I did not listen to the song all the way through. And um, when it came to like the third verse and plays the porn sample, mm. and I just pause, I heard it. And I was keeping in mind, I was doing a live show, right? I heard that and I thought, oh, God, no. Um, crank the volume down, to keep it low, just barely hearable. It's like, is it still there? She's still moaning. No, no, put it down. Wait a bit, wait a bit, wait a bit, wait a bit. There we go. Now I can put it back up. And I came out afterwards. I was like, oh, my God, I am so fired. What's and your favorite zombie said, album? Hey. Uh, all right. Uh, ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's an important question because I'm a big fucking Rob Zombie. My dad got me into Rob Zombie. Like I first, I first got into like heavy metal and kind of shit. And my dad was like, "Listen, son, you need to listen to this. Like this take, is the good stuff. Take it. <laughs> Just take that." <laughs> I got a few favorites. Um. I got into Rob Zombie via Hellbilly Deluxe, naturally. Um, Sinister Urge is probably, generally speaking, my favorite Rob Zombie album. I think that's um, a strong American choice. made music. Very strong. Yeah, choice. I think American made music to strip by. Um, American made music to strip by. That was a really fun album to listen to because uh, I'd say that's another one of my favorites, even though it's a remix album. I don't care. That was really fun to listen to because mm -hmm. taking songs that I grew up with or just, just really enjoyed on Hellbilly Deluxe and hearing different bands add all these crazy new twists to it. You know, you get bands like, um, you know, you get Rammstein doing a remix, uh, you get um, Charlie Klaus of Nine Inch Nails and Chris Renner of Nine Inch Nails as well stepping in. And um, along some, some other bands I'd never heard before, like um, like God Lives Underwater, like I never really listened to their stuff anyway, or, or PM Dawn, never listened to the stuff, but... 
But again, hearing these fresh new twists and all these badass songs, you know, like of Dragula and Super Beast and uh, Meet the Creeper, etc. And it was just so refreshing. It was absolutely fantastic. So I strongly recommend that. As for, um, uh, I might as well throw in White Zombie 1. I, I admit, I'm not a huge fan of White Zombie. It's like, I listen to La, La Sexa Seastone. It's like, mm, a handful of songs I like, but Astro Creep 2000. Mwah, molto ben. I'm going to go, I'm going to come way out of left field. My favorite Rob Zombie album, for sure, is Hellbilly Deluxe number two. Number two? And I have reasons for this. It's, so I'm a big John 5 fan, right? Like, I I play a little guitar myself, and Mm -hmm. I'm a huge, just gigantic fan of him. Top to bottom, with the exception of, I think, Sick Bubblegum's good. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not against it, but it's like the single, and like, I, I get people find it annoying. But Werewolf Woman of the SS, Jesus Frankenstein, and the standout of the whole fucking album to me, Mars Needs a Woman with the full acoustic intro. Mwah, like, Chef's Kiss. Just, <laughs> just, just John I, Five going fucking nuts on the guitar for a Rob Zombie song. Cause you don't hear that all the time. Like, he's very, Kind of has to dial himself back for Zombie and for Manson when he was in Manson too. Like it, it's very industrial, yeah, like kind of straightforward shit. But just to really hear John Five like just really play the guitar on a on a Rob Zombie album was perfect. I think I think Hellbilly Deluxe Two I think is quite an underrated album. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like say uh, Sick Bubblegum, love Mars Need Women, love it. Um, I think um, yeah, Jesus We're Frankenstein. All- I prefer. I prefer the live version of that and the um yeah uh, I can't I can't remember which album it was but other other songs from that album I think were great I mean I thought that um he did the, yeah, the farewell Women, tour the with that the album too he did like the I can't remember what the actual yeah. live album was called but it was like um the last of zombie and makeup kind of thing because since then he's kind of just gone to straight up like yeah. I'm just gonna play my music actually I'll throw this out there one probably one of my favorite songs like one of them like top five top ten comes from Hellaby Lee Deluxe 2, and it's Burn. I mm, absolutely yeah. gush yeah. over that song. It's I, absolutely so, fantastic. It's a top-to-bottom, really fucking solid album. Like it, it, It's between that and The Sinister Urge for me. Like Sinister Urge, like you said, is just like primo De Niro, perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. Werewolf Woman of the SS was spawned from a fake trailer he did for Grindhouse, right? With uh, Tarantino yeah. and... Uh, what's his name? I don't know why his name is... Uh, Robert, was it Nicholas? Uh, I feel like it's such an idiot. Let's see, grind. <laughs> Wikipedia will tell us. <laughs> Let's see, Grindhouse. I'm gonna feel like an, a total jackass when I say this because he's like one of my favorite directors. <laughs> <laughs> we just play the intermission music. I do have that queued up for the podcast. Like that's a thing that I do sometimes. <laughs> Robert Rodriguez, God, I'm such a fucking asshole. <laughs> Machete, like all of my, all of my favorite movies are made by this guy. And I can't. I, I've been awake for a very long time, and I've had more than one glass of vodka. So bear with me. Uh, I cut you some slack. Some, <laughs> not all, just some. Okay. 
This is probably the po- this is probably the point where you want to uh, transition into the magazine stuff because I know I've gushed we've gushed over music and me blathering on about my radio show enough. I think That's people are tuning favorite. out already, thinking Jesus. My my favorite thing about doing a podcast is I don't give a fuck. Like I just do whatever I want, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll just do another episode. Like Fair it, enough. <laughs> it's the best. I literally don't care. I I mean I care if people like it. Don't get, I, I'm not saying like fuck everybody that listens oh, yeah, to the show. Yeah, I'm course. saying like. If you don't like this particular one, <laughs> skip it this week and then just listen to next week's. But I, uh, I know our fans and they like music. So probably, they're probably penciling down a bunch of shit like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I should check out this band and that band. And like, maybe I should give that album a second listen. Um, yeah. Grand Flakes, I'm talking to you. You should listen to some Rob Zombie in your off time. Let's see. When you've decided to make a magazine, okay. Like you and Zach and uh, yeah. who, who's the whole team? Actually, just go ahead and lay out the whole team because oh, oh, there's a huge, there's a huge number of us. Like again, me and Zach are the head honchos. Mm-hmm. Um, contributor in chief, uh, Captain Caleb, as he calls him, Captain and we get a whole Caleb. bunch of other like talented write is has a ring to it there. Uh, a whole bunch of other writers, um, like uh, Gooba, Linko. Millie, yeah, it's like, like I say, pr- pretty extensive, a bunch of guys and gals all kind of uh, bundling together and uh, just writing about stuff we love, you know? Man, I should put it in my application. I'm a pretty good writer. So, <laughs> what did you envision this being like? Like, okay, like we're going to make a magazine, and then what's the actual situation where you're like oh shit we have to print magazines like how did that transition happen for you guys well i to be honest i think there was a part of us that wanted to go digital only like initially but i think we just thought that maybe maybe we could take it a step further i think it's later down the line when we were kind of like weighing out the options for like printing etc um i think we did a bit of that beforehand we thought we had a bit of a rough idea how much it might cost us and um we we kind of we didn't quite realize that uh, we weren't properly balancing the books correctly especially when the kickstarter was rolling out cuz um we we didn't exactly have a clear idea about post and packaging for instance cuz that's going to be a big kicker if you're uh, you know overseas and stuff um we again we we, can, we just just like used we just did our fair share of research on different websites and said okay which printers will give us the best price and it's like you know let's just just get a rough idea here and let's just pick one. Um, when the Kickstarter rolled out and we hit the goal within the first three hours, we were like, oh, jeez, this is like stupidly popular. And then it just kept getting more and more. We just kind of decided, like, okay, what can we do to kind of spice things up with this magazine? Because it's like, we, we want to get this printed edition out, of course. But we thought, maybe we could spice it up a little bit, add a few other bonus gifts here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I say, you know, we, didn't, we didn't quite realize that, you know, the priority one was supposed to be get the magazine out. Yeah, deliver the so, product. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So I admit this is my fault. If anyone hears about this, this is my fault because I was primarily in charge of the Kickstarter. And it's like, we thought, okay, every thousand pounds we got, every grand we got, we would introduce a new stretch goal. And like say, okay, you know, because we thought people are going to keep getting this out and um, keep donating, sharing it around. We thought, hey, Let's give people the best possible kind of package for a good price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, that proved to be an unwise idea when we realized that um, we were gobbling up a lot of money on paper, of course, on paper. And we thought, I don't think we can afford the magazines at this rate. 
It's like we've got barely enough to cover this. And I thought, oh god, uh, I had to go, you know, go and make a post say, everyone, I'm sorry. Gotta make a few cutbacks. We can't print issue zero. We can't give out posters. We can't do bits and bobs because we, we realize we need to put the magazine out first. So, uh, sorry. But, no, but people are cool about that. People are cool, thankfully. So that was a big blunder on my part. It is what it is, man. Like, uh, just speaking from personal experience, I started this, you know, the keep thing with zero intention of it ever becoming like a financial entity right i just thought yeah. like it would be a cool thing to start a discord so we can play quake champions and have 24 hour pickups right that's all it's really all it ever was supposed to be and then yeah yeah and then the podcast thing happened and i'm like fuck people kept telling me like you should be making money off this like you should have a way to do it and when you start getting money involved, it becomes like this whole other fucking thing. It's like, it's not a passion. I mean, it is still a passion project. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's not just as simple as, uh, I do whatever I want. Like just today, like I got like some, you know, like we have to change our font. Like our font could be potentially like a problem. Like someone could sue us. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, is that a thing? People sue people over fonts? Yes, absolutely they do. And so. I'm like, when I look at the idea of a magazine, right? Like you guys are in deep, like you got a lot of crazy stuff going on that I couldn't even imagine. So is that even something you're considering at this point or are you like kind of smart about it? What's the deal? Well, in terms of, um, I mean, you mentioned it before about the uh, the font stuff. That that was actually something that we had to look into. We had, we had to look into certain details and legalities, like for instance, copyright fonts we found out that you know as long as it's from windows we're fine with uh we actually realized that can we even send this stuff to germany because of strict censorship laws in germany especially with like the demo disc of games turns out that's okay as long as we're not advertising violent games inside it so that's one of the reasons why we don't put adverts in our magazine because you know censors but so so what what, what takes like, you know, ad- we're just kind of like what is an advertisement like that, that's when I really get down to it. Like, are, is it paid advertisement or is it like, are you advertising every game that you write an article about? Well, I mean, you could, we wouldn't necessarily say if we were to do a review or preview, we wouldn't call it an advertising. If anything, that's coverage. An advertising would be explicitly saying, this is a product, buy this because it's awesome. You know, and just kind of leaving out that without really Fair delving enough. into too much detail. Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's fucking weird. Like, this is a crazy endeavor. I, I don't even claim to remotely understand the intricacies of what you guys are going through. Uh, but it's a great product, so there's that. We're very glad to hear that. We've been hearing a lot of positive feedback from people, and, you know, we're really, really grateful for all the, you know, all the positive feedback, all the constructive criticism, everything that we get from people. We really are kind of blown away and humbled by. So want, it's always some constructive it's always criticism? Good. Yeah, go on then. <laughs> Let me hit the desk as hard as I can to make the microphone resonate as loud as I can. No. Um, <laughs> what exactly dictates a five-star game? I'm very concerned about this. Um, two things. Number one, if we are so jaded and biased that we love this game regardless of its flaws... Or number two, 
you are Zach. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it, basically. I've, I was I've teased him. I've teased him a lot by his uh, 4.5 out of 5 review scores. Um, I remember once when he shared a sampler review with uh, G-Man Lives, and G-Man responded with, You gave this game, like, what, 4.5? What are you talking about, man? And after that, Zach was like, oh, I'm scared now. I don't want to talk to G-Man. C- could you ask him? I was like, okay. Hey, G-Man, uh, can I get a quote for the magazine? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Gotta get G-Man on the show. I- I've had some some talks with him. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but... Yeah, he knows how to really dig deep and like really critique something, you know. And maybe that would be beneficial, like not to like necessarily have him write for it, but just to kind of have him be a weight to counterbalance that. I th- yeah, I think um, definitely get G-Man on board. G-Man's one of my favorite YouTubers out there. Great, a great guy. Interviewed him myself, like I said, great guy. Really humble, down to earth bloke. Fan of my stuff as well, which is very surprising. And he, he loves to E one M one as well. So there's your. Uh, I I heard this guy said this and that endorsement right there, folks. Just saying. All right. I have a good question for you. You can okay. slap me virtually if you don't like it. Are you concerned at all, or do you even think about the fact that it would be stupid for someone who essentially makes their money off of retro shooter content to not support you? Yeah. Like, does that does that make you feel like maybe they're not telling you exactly how they feel about everything? So, like a, do you mean like uh, big name people or just just generally speaking? Just, kind just of generally people speaking. Or? Okay, like, let's, let's just. All right, we'll take a we'll take we'll take G Man. We'll take Dave. Right, we'll, we'll put them. Okay. Where they belong. Right. So, Dave only stands to benefit from you guys praising Dusk, regardless of how he actually feels about your product. And I have no insight into actually, you know, how he feels about it. Like, but, but do you consider that? Like, does that ever like pop up in your mind? And if I'm bringing you stress that you didn't need, like, I please just, like I said, cyber hit me and I'll shut up. But I wonder, like, cause it, it literally, like, I, Speaking personally, I really like the magazine. Truly, like honestly, I think it's fantastic what you guys are doing. But it would be Thank like you. absolutely dumb of me to be like, uh, "Oh fuck that! That's not real." Like I would be like dividing the community to say, "I'm not into that because like because it's it's this is a great thing for the whole community at large, right?" Yeah. So like, does would that make you worry that like maybe I'm not telling you exactly how I feel because I I will trust me I will, but. When I look at it, and if I were to say, like, oh, I think it's great. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Don't worry about it. Like, I, there's a potential for me to be, like, um, holding back my criticisms because I don't want to hurt your feelings because I want to benefit from what you're doing. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I completely understand. I completely understand that. Um, I think with the case of, like, um, I think in the case of Let's Take Date, for example... Dave, as much yeah, Dave enjoyed the magazine. He definitely was uh, pretty handy with giving us like certain pointers about the content that he thought you know maybe let's get that try reworking that or change this and that etc. Um, yeah, he of course we got his uh, jokey little quote because of the fact that we gave Dusk a glowing review. That was before we even thought about messaging Dave. I gave a five star mm-hmm. review because absolute friggin' love Dusk, brilliant game. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> large, <laughs> a large portion of the keeps like 
prowess in this community comes specifically from Dusk. Like, I would never disparage Dusk. It is fantastic. Top to bottom. Yeah, hell, hell David Siemanski even loves E1N1 as well. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, the way we see it is, like, if if there are people out there who, like, legitimately enjoy the magazine, great. If they have any constructive criticisms that they want to share, that's fine. If you want to just get in contact or jump in the Discord or whatever, if you want to get us, let us know and just say, look, I don't like it for whatever reasons. We're at least willing to kind of hear people out. We might not agree, but the least we can do is kind of give people a fair shake. Because, um, I mean, how else... I mean, I get that it can be difficult to take constructive criticism at times. I'm, I'm a prime example for that. It kind of, kind of depends exactly what. But end of the day, it's like, how else? How else are we going to grow? You know. I agree. It's good to kind of, it, it's good to get like um, different uh, inputs and outtakes because that could that could make some pretty important changes later down the line. That, that could make some pretty impactful, um, offer some pretty impactful advice. And end of the day, you know, I, I believe in free speech. If people want to say. If they want to go on Twitter and say that uh, E1M1 sucks or that uh, could do better, it's like, fair enough. Your opinion. I mean, if I were playing a chess game against this magazine, I would lose. Like, you guys are... The first time, like, I got my first, you know, digital copy of the magazine. I have their physical copy, but I will will not open it. Like, I I just need you to understand this. I'm never going to open that. It's it's just got to stay in mint condition in case you guys, like, make a million dollars. But Sealed with a kiss. Yeah, I'll put a little lipstick on for it later. But, I mean, I just fucking flooded my wish list on Steam immediately. (laughs) Because, I I mean, I'm supposed to be in tune with this shit. Like, I'm supposed to know everything about retro shooters or whatever. But, like, Zach is leagues ahead of me (laughs) in terms of (laughs) what's going on in this community. And... I, th- I thought it was all like really fantastic. L- literally, the only concern I had was like, "What the what the fuck is these re- like? What are these stars? Like, what does the stars even mean?" Uh, because like, I don't know. I thought it was fair. Like, a let's take Shrine and the Shrine series for example. I'm in love yeah. with Scumhead. Like, he's my baby. Sc- he lives very talented bloke. Yeah, an hour and a half for me. I just want to go just kiss him right on the face. I think everything he does is fantastic. <laughs> And I thought you guys very fairly reviewed uh, Shrine and Shrine too. So there's that. Yeah. But yeah, like the there, there's the five star rating is given away too easily, in my opinion. And I know that's 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 understandable. Subjective. That's yeah. understandable. To be fair, I mean, funny thing with Scumhead is because I remember Scumhead went on Twitter and basically said that uh, you know this this Shrine Two reviews. Living rent free in my head, like what the hell? No music, what the hell? And it's like, dude, I gave you a four star review. I love this game. Why, why are you trashing it? But all right, you know your opinion, I guess. Yeah, he's a but, great, like I said, I don't hate the guy. Person. He's a really great person. Like I, I'm serious. Gonna, Have a conversation. I, I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out. I'm counter calling him out, scumhead. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Make a game about me and actually, please do that. E one on one video have, game. Have you That's played a uh, vomitorium demo yet? Ah. Uh, I don't think I have, not yet, no. I, I predict, I'm going to say it now, in 10 years, we're all going to be kissing his ass. <laughs> we're all going to be like, we're, we're going to be talking about him the same way we talk about Savansky. Like, we're, we're going to be like, oh, please, like, just let me just bury my face in your ass cheeks. Like, you're so amazing. <laughs> I love you so much. Like, 
we won't yeah. we'll, we won't dare to say anything negative about it in public. There's um, a lot of there's a lot of stuff by Scumhead that I got to catch up on. Vomitorium demo is definitely one, and I um depending on when the product comes out exactly, I will gladly go through his other stuff when I get the chance. Especially you know Vomitorium, I will gladly give that uh, my fair critique. Uh, but anyway, the, the point with the five star reviews. I think it kind of just varies because sometimes I see the reviews by the other kind of writers and I'm like, huh? Well, doesn't sound like a five star review to me, but it's really, I guess it's just down to like how much, you you know, get a kick out of it. Like, um, again, Dusk, I love. I mean, the multiplayer was, um, even though it's underpopulated, it's like an absolute adrenaline rush, just like, you know, just kind of bolting around at 70 miles per hour. Um, and, you know, I kind of love it like that, but it's, it's still kind of accessible in a sense. Um, I still wish I had more game modes, but otherwise, I still think all yeah. the way through, just near, near flawless, really. Oh. I guess, I guess a five star review for me would be a game that is near flawless because you're not going to get a perfect game that's like you know, completely utterly void of any bad stuff. Yeah, I would agree. Like, it, let, let's let's really dig into it, right? So, I don't know how much time you have, but I'll talk until I fucking drop dead. So. <laughs> it depends totally on what kind of vibe you're trying to put off, right? With the mag. Uh, so let's take a. Do you, do you follow pro wrestling at all? Like, are you totally out of that loop? Um, I know only bits and pieces about wrestling in general these days. Consider, I mean, I grew up with wrestling, but it's like you know, I only hear like fragments of it these days. All right, I'll I'll, I'll first say just watch AEW. Fuck WWE. <laughs> Yeah, people say that all the time. (laughs) AEW is where it's at right now. But Mm -hmm. as far as the major product, I mean, there's plenty of great indies out there, but. Yeah, yeah. I, uh. I will say Dave Meltzer's name because he is like the journalist for wrestling. Okay? Like. Yeah. But he was very open about the fact that when he rates a match, so he says like, you know, this match with the young bucks at fucking, you know, new Japan's wrestle kingdom or whatever is six stars out of five. Right. And people are like, what the fuck Dave? Like, what does that even mean? Um, but he's just like, that's how much I liked the match when I watched it. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like it just, it's not an objective, well thought out reason or anything like that. It's just like, that's how passionate I am about the fact that you need to watch this match. Okay? So, it is perfectly okay for you guys to review games and say, like, this is a five-star... Like, Dusk is a five-star game. Like, I'd give Dusk yeah, five stars yeah. any, any fucking day of the week. Um, But when you start, like, the four and a half... Like, so you're putting Dusk here, and then you're putting some shit that I've never heard of. And I'm not pointing out anything. But you said, this is a four and a half-star game. So my mindset is that like this game is just a, like a half step below dusk. Like so your 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 readers are they going to read it that way or they're going to be like disappointed think- by that review? Like do you have a responsibility to make it all in line? I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It's really a matter I of think, like um, Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Um yeah, like I say kind of just a matter of perspective really. Um I think um because keeping in mind, these review scores all come from a, a mirage of different writers. Yeah. So there's that. Our definitions of what a five star game is is going to vary. With uh, in terms of like oh a four and a half star, five star kind of rating, I guess kind of what comes to mind is like I don't think that a four and a half star rating is like you know 
quite literally breathing down the neck of a five-star game. If I give something four and a half, like Postal 2, if I give that four and a half, for instance, I don't think that, oh yeah, it's one step away from topping Dusk. But I think that, you know, there's so many merits to uh, shower Postal 2 with. Absolutely love that game. No, I, I there are so many things to sh- like just shit rain on fucking Postal Two. Like, there's pretty, so many pretty. things about Postal Two that are just shit garbage, right? And yet, it's still so charming. Like, yeah, how do you rate? Thing. How do you rate that? I I well, love not being a critic. You know, <laughs> like I love that I don't have to do that. I think it's just like um, again. Definitely things like you know the fun factor of it all, etc. I guess it's just like end of the day. When it comes to like the criticism as well, because yeah, there are things about Postal Two that uh, kind of suck. Like you know, some of the melee weapons, for instance. You know, the graphics might be dated by now standards. Some of the jokes aren't that funny. It's like if there are criticisms, we want to point it out, but it's like we gotta specify to what extent are these criticisms. As I see in the camera, he's got a crotchy goal. I might as well whip out mine. <laughs> I hope mine doesn't sue me for that. <laughs> Hi, Mike. There we go. Yeah, I got mine as well. Mike, Mike gave me. Um, he got me to just pay post and packaging for a I regret nothing T-shirt after I interviewed him and Vince and and uh, Rick Hunter, postal dude. Gave me a free shirt, free crotchy game DVD stickers and stuff like that. That's great. As much as I publicly anyway. hate Mike, I love Mike. IRL. Mike's Mike's Mike, a great. Guy. Mike is the be- he lives here in Tucson, like. Him and Vince both like a, right next to me, so they're amazing. Like great, oh, right. great, great very, guys. Very great so, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to deter you from finishing your thoughts. Oh no, that's that's all right. That's all right. Uh, like I said, the general the general takeaway is okay. If we point out these flaws, to what extent does it degrade the overall product? Like with Postal Two, it's like oh yeah, some of the melee weapons suck. But who cares? There's a bunch of great guns, and there's other weapons that are actually useful. And you know, you can kick a guy in the balls, you can tinkle in the face, taser them. You know, you give it a lot of a lot of alternatives, so that way it kind of seems like minor in comparison. You know, some of the jokes you think, oh, it's kind of dated pop culture references. But then again, the postal dude has some great quips. You know, you, you got this bizarre kind of um, surrealist, straight-faced, dark sense of humor on the side here. Then there's just the, the sandbox aspect of it all, where the un- unpredictability kind of, you know, kind of outshines that. I would, uh, I'll point people towards. I did a really, for me, a really fun interview with M.K. Schmidt, uh, who did Paradox Vector and uh, Star Explorers and all that, which. I noticed E1M1 magazine is now in Star Explorers, like on <laughs> on the spaceship, which is really cool. Yeah, I think think we like plonked on the TV, is it, uh, plonked on the uh, what was it, the uh, just like little desk reading area, little digital copies of E1M1. It's funny because um, with that, I I put out that tweet, uh, like I put out a tweet basically saying, yes, you have permission to um, you know, to uh, make cameos of us, you know, E1M1 magazine in your game. I wrote that out, that tweet, and I mean, I make it sound like I'm joking, but I'm actually being kind of serious. It's like, no, please, please, it would be great if you put us in a, in your anything. games. It's like, I'll I made a joke anything, or so. Please, God, like, do you want nudes? Like, I'll send you whatever you want. <laughs> I'll prostitute myself for money. Just call me Jake Delphine. But, um, with, um, 
uh, it's, it's also it kind of reminds me also with the post uh, like a jokey Twitter post I made basically saying you know like we would gladly star in these kind of podcasts it's like you know um um it, the keep uh new blood interactive it's like okay those two I'm being serious we would love to go on board with those and then like the the last three were just joke ones that I just made up on the spot that made people laugh um but um. Dude, like I say, when it comes to just like the the cameos and stuff like that, it's like you know, we are up for it. We are completely flexible with cameos or or podcast stuff or interviews. It's like we would love to do that. I daydream all day long about what it would be like to be on Joe Rogan, like the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I've got it already figured out in my head. Like I I know exactly what I'm going to say to him. Like already. Like if if there were any way, because he's into Quake, right? Like so, if there were any fucking avenue. That I could possibly squeeze myself into that, it would be huge for everyone surrounding us, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I mean, with I mean, hell, I, I highly doubt Joe Rogan would ever reel any of us in. I mean, if he if he pays out of pocket to fly me over there and back somehow, some way, I'll gladly do that. Just don't get him to like you know smoke in my face because again, I don't I don't smoke or do drugs. I don't want to be sharing a room when someone's doing that kind of stuff, but. Oh, any any kind of opportunity to kind of step up and just start blither blathering about any kind of uh, Jake, crap with a person. Jake, sometimes you take one for the team. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no. Anyway, moving swiftly on. <laughs> Let me uh, get back to what I was my, my point here. So I would point people back to that MK Schmidt number sixty nine. I think it was. It was. Hold on. Number 69, I was right. M.K. Schmidt and I talked very deeply about what makes a game great, right? And yeah, it can be a lot of different factors, right? Like, So you can have a really technically perfect game. Like, so like a game that has no bugs, that kind of thing. You know, Quake 1, uh, Doom 2, yeah, yeah. Like the, that, that kind of thing. And these are perfect storms, right? Like, These are games that we're talking about 20, 25 years later. You can also have games like, uh, let's take Stalker, for example. I think that was actually his example. That are, you can see the artistic integrity through all of this shit that makes it not good, right? Like, so everything about Stalker that makes Stalker suck is overshadowed by the fact that the environment, the the immersiveness, like everything that goes into being in the world of Stalker just makes it worth it to deal with all the bugs. And I think, I think that the same is true of Postal 2. Yeah, I think um, kind of like immersiveness and artistic integrity, things like that. I think, or especially like how the game makes you feel, it's... I think those things can have a pretty big effect on how you enjoy these games, but it can only go so far. It's like when I used to read reviews of um, Bioshock Infinite when that came out. People going, oh, 9, 10 out of 10, and I played it, and it's like, I'll give it a 7. The gameplay is pretty good. Where did you read Story's a bit hodgepodge. Where are those reviews coming from? That's a very important question. That is a good question. Well, it was a mixture of... um, People gushing over it in magazines and online, things like that. Like, you know, critics, bloody game right. critics, bane of, bane of this existence, ourselves included. At E1M1, we if, suck. If there's two magazines other than E1M1, right? 
that I truly like read deeply in my time. It was obviously I read PC Gamer, and I have strong criticism, <laughs> like far more than I could ever give you. Like I think that you guys, what you guys are doing, is fantastic in comparison. But not to say that I don't like the magazine; it's good. Yeah. But um, Retro Gamer magazine is one of my favorite magazines that's ever been published, and. I came from that era of like reading magazines, right? Like I read Guitar World. I read, you know, like just relentlessly read guitar magazines when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, music magazine, like whatever the fuck, you know, I, I'm a fan of that medium. It, it just speaks to my childhood. But <sighs> I'm really struggling to put my point together here. When it comes to rating things you know you, you, one of my favorite things about retro gamer is that they actually show at the time like if they're if they're rating a game at the time of this game coming out what did edge pc you know like n64 you know like all you know all the different old school 90s magazines what did they like say about this and i really yeah. respect that they do that because they're not yielding to criticism right they're like hey you know we help we feel this way now in whatever year it happens to be that they're publishing their their uh, magazine but this is what how people felt then and that's important because if you were to rate the witcher 3 on debut and you were to rate the witcher 3 today no comparison right like it's not even the same fucking product so how do you guys deal with that? Because I noticed you read a lot of demos as well. Um, with us, we kind of we kind of just review it as it is, you know, here in this in this kind of moment in time. But mm -hmm. we still like to at least try and take take into consideration certain aspects of a game that might have, you know, that might have been bad then and still sucks now, or, or like I mean, maybe misunderstood then, but nowadays it's like, yeah, I can appreciate it, or people love this thing, and we try it now, and it's like, yeah, this this is aged like milk. <laughs> um, I, th I think it's cool that, you know, PC... I think it's cool that PC Gamer managed to, like, you know, kind of retro still gamer. shed a bit of light and... Retro oh, close enough. But anyway... I was Your fellow say, Brits, you should... Quite good. Pay, I've read some of that. You should get in, get in contact with those motherfuckers and see what they do, because, like, Retro gamer guys are all, as far as I know, they're all Brits. Yeah, they they, they never responded to my emails for more writers. So really, me neither. So Actually, anyway, truth so. truth be told, me neither. <laughs> I was hoping well, you'd do in my any end. case. What it, <laughs> sorry. So <laughs> so anyway, bounce back to the general point about um uh, the general point. Help me out here. Um. I tell you what. About, about just like, hold on. Yeah. Slow down. Let's take a little break. I'm gonna go take a piss. I'm gonna re up, and then we'll continue. Is that okay? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Sounds good. I think the general takeaway with my ramble is premise that again, the the general feel and the atmosphere of things of games like that. I think. That can only go so far. That can carry a game only so far. Just take like, um, I mean, people like gush over Half Life, for instance, and say, "Oh, innovative, 
because the tram rides, and it's like, yeah, but the tram ride sucks. That's like two minutes of boring dialogue. It's like, oh, Doom 3, the uh, flipping between the flashlight and your gun. It's like, well, that sucks as well, because sure, it might make it spookier, but it's an absolute pain in the ass to whip out your crappy shotgun and then whip back to the, the torch. Playing that on a console, it was so much harder. People say it's not so bad on the PC, but playing on the console, you hit the wrong button. You're back to the pistol. Between that and the light, it's like, oh great, just gonna go through and through and through, and there's the rocket launcher. Nightmare. I, I know I said earlier, most pretentious thing I'll say today is, you know, but actually, if you're playing Doom on the console, no pity. Zero pity. I have nothing for you. Yeah, it was 2004, we didn't have a PC at that point. <laughs> no, it, it's true, like a there are some things that just straight up don't translate, and I totally get it. Like you're, for instance, right? If you were to take the uh, what, Quake Wars, uh, Quake even Quake Three, I think was ported to the PlayStation at some point. Yeah, if you're going to take that as your example of what the Quake series is, you're smoking crack, as far as I'm concerned. Like, you're not even, <laughs> yeah. and it's not your fault, right? Like it's not anyone's fault that they just happen to find it that way but there's a way to do it correctly definitely yeah. and that ain't it i don't know one other thing i wanted to bring up about what you guys do in the mag is yeah reviewing doom mods and i notice your name on a lot of those reviews so mm -hmm. why don't you tell me a little bit about that reviewing doom mods um this is something that even i've had criticism about because it's like Anytime we're kind of piecing together mod ideas, we can only fit like maybe one or two mods in. And Doom, any kind of Doom mod, total conversion or not, is going to crop up. And this is something I keep kind of like flacking with, um, with Zach about. And, you know, I give him flack and say, you know, we're covering Doom so much. Don't get me wrong, that's like my favorite game, but we've got to cover other mods. And it's like, hey, let's check out this one by Scumhead. Jake, that's a Doom mod. Oh. Oh boy. So it's a little tricky because it's like Doom mods are some of the most um, kind of accessible mods out there. Like the modding community is absolutely fantastic, incredibly, um, incredibly creative. I mean, I used to be a part of the modding community myself, but um, my maps suck. But in any case, <laughs> but. Um, we can't all be Bridge Burner, right? Sadly. Lucky Git. But um, when it comes that's to. That's hard work. That's, that's dedication, that guy. He's. Yeah, well, it's like. Some people put enough effort into it and they get good. Some people put some effort but still don't get near enough closer. Me, I don't have the patience to me. It's like it's like playing the piano. It's like I want to play the piano, but I can't be asked to uh, put all that effort into getting better. Yeah, There's no guarantee not, I will get better. You're not going to be Debussy, or <laughs> you're not going to be Thelonious. You're. It sucks. I play chess a lot, and then I'm like, I'll never be Magnus Carlsen. Like, why do I even fucking do this? Why do I do this? <laughs> What's the point? Because I enjoy it. That's so anyway, <laughs> but of course, yeah, darling, it back a bit. I don't think E1M1 fans are going to listen to us talking about chess. But anyway, with uh, like I said, with the mod, with the modding stuff, do modding. Um, personally, I, I kind of part of me wish had space, just like something just covering Doom mods, like one article per magazine or something. Mm -hmm. Um might happen it might be just something that we explore a little bit more with the uh the patreon stuff because we get a little bit more freedom with posting stuff for patreon because um you know for obvious reasons it's like you know we paste x amount of articles a month and there's no kind of cap limit when it comes to uh 
what we need to, um, you know, right. we, there's no limits to like writing too much, etc., because we can just push it back. But, um, like I say, reviewing Doom mods, though, it's always, always a blast, always great fun to kind of give those things in, very approachable to kind of do this stuff. Um, and there's something that I'd still like to kind of do more for, uh, future issues of E1M1. And I'm sure Zach would as well, but as long as we get the balance right between Doom stuff and anything that's not Doom kind of modding stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. Like, Doom mods are. They're the thing. It is very strange territory at this current moment because what we're seeing is sort of a revolution. Uh, not like a violent, like, not the French Revolution or anything, but. No, no. The fact that Doom total conversions are now, like, within GZ Doom's parameters are licensable like you can just straight up like make a game so head on great example um i i know why total chaos hasn't been made into a full-on game but i'll let sam speak for himself in that regard i i see the same thing with age of hell with with bridge Brenner's current project or like i'm like dude this should be a commercial game but I get yeah. why it's not happening. But we're, we're right on that precipice of like, this could happen, right? This could be the next big thing. And regardless of all of that, like everything that I just said, there are so many great uh, FPS experiences that are quote-unquote retro that fit into your niche that deserve to be spoken about because they are, regardless of their... Uh, origination in the Doom engine or whatever the fuck you want to say, they're great. They deserve to be spoken about. They deserve to be rated. They deserve to be on the same tier. Like There are Doom mods that are on the same tier as anything else that you're going to review. So I really yeah, respect yeah. that about your perspective. I'm glad to hear that. Um, like I say, I just really hope that we can cover more Doom mods in the future. The fact that Doom mods are getting converted to the point where they can be sold i think it's i think it's um let's say natural evolution that i think mm-hmm. the fact that someone's people have been able to find find loopholes around well it's not really loopholes because you know as long as you're not using commercial uh commercial you know copyrighted stuff making your own ip etc and the fact that you know, it's an accessible piece of kit and editing pretty much yeah just look at um just look at hidden for example i'd say probably hidden is uh absolutely fantastic game i think that that's a game i'd like to cover in the future i covered it for a website before but i think uh i think i might give it another, another shake but i think um that that's gonna be like a five out of five game in my book i absolutely love heathen zan brilliant game zan is like so in real life right zan is an architect so really? it, it oh, only that. makes sense like that he would be fantastic at designing a game level yeah. To be fair, like I, I wouldn't give Heaton five stars. I would not, and I, I think Zan would respect me when I'm saying this, like as it currently stands, because there's probably more to come from Heaton. But Heaton, head on. I, I don't know how he wants me to pronounce it because he's fucking like Slav and shit. So they yeah. they, they say shit weird. I've had like internal debates about what does Hedon even mean? Is it hedonistic? Is it is it Romanian or whatever for heathen? Like, 
what is this game fucking like what am i taking away from this game it doesn't matter um what i'm trying to say is that he then really accomplishes a lot in terms of level design how you can create such a game in the doom engine yeah it does not however answer me the question of like how the fuck do i get through this level because i've been on it for 145 minutes or whatever that's a problem like that, that's yeah, a pretty nah. legitimate complaint that i think that anyone could make it's like I've, I've been on this level for forever it's it's essentially arx fatalis in the doom engine and that is a tall order if, if you played arx it's okay if you have no 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 okay. i haven't sadly so it's it's hard. It's one of the best games I've ever played. It has a at this point, you know, in twenty twenty one, a tall peak of like if you want to play it and it's playable, you buy it and all that kind of bullshit. You've got to put, you know, you got to put you got to put some mods on it. You got to like really spice it up to make it playable in Windows 10 or whatever you happen to be playing in. Yeah. There are problems with it, but it's one of those games, I would say the same thing about Stalker. It's one of those games that's just like, the atmosphere is worth all the trouble. And that's hard to say. So would I give it a, you know, if I were writing for E1M1 on Arx Fatalis, would I give it a five-star rating? Definitely not. But would I give certain mods of it that make it playable a five-star rating probably still not but pretty close you know maybe maybe that yeah. 4.5 that's where i'm getting at with that yeah i think maybe i'd probably titter on the um the 4.5 or 5 i think it's just gonna it depends on whether or not i'm uh whether or not i'm gushing over it on at the time or not but um usually when i when i give like a you know a top review score usually i'm kind of like kind of concrete set on that mm-hmm. score for the most part. I am curious also, not just about... We talked about the radio. We talked about the magazine. But yeah. you're, you as a person, let's talk about your voice acting career. Because yeah, sure. let's just be honest, you're Jake the Voice. Yeah, Jake the Voice. Um... When it comes to my voice acting career, uh, I might as well start off with how I got the nickname. Because people... I think people kind of got the idea I called myself this, or I'm doing this to stroke my own ego. Anything but. Anything but. This uh, this nickname I actually got from uh, my radio boss. He just came in one day, right? And I was thinking to myself, I need like an online name. Like a brand name. But I just couldn't think of anything. And my boss walks in, and he he just boomed out, It's Jake the Voice! Very cheerfully, because, you know, he he loves having me on the show. uh, On his uh, his station. And I just thought, Jake the Voice. That works there. I like it. Then, um... So so I kind of just took that, really. I took that and uh, used it, applied it um, on the radio, and also, of course, with voice acting as well. Mm -hmm. Um... So that's at least the origin story of the uh, the the name behind it, of course. But you've had a uh, 
a pretty formidable career as a voice actor at this point. Like hmm. you, you've done some pretty yeah. cool things. I don't want to hear the, the self disparaging bullshit. You've done more than a lot of people in your position could possibly dream of doing. Let's hear about it. Because you have a really impressive resume that you're not letting on to. Well, thank you. Well, again, I don't really consider myself to be a very good voice actor. I've seldom kind of done that. I think I think I've, I've you know I've done some good roles, got some good voices, but I don't really consider myself like you know like higher any like any higher up than some people or other. Um, I still think there's a lot of talented people out there who I think kind of completely get, would would completely keep me to the curb when it comes to performances. But anyway, with um. Well, some things, just, sometimes it's kind of just like a matter of, um, you know, sometimes it's like I knew the right pe- people at the right time. I just bumped into them or whatever, and I managed to bowl them over with some kind of performance. Um, I think that's, I, I'd probably attribute most of my talent to basically knowing the right people at the right time. Just contacts, basically. Um, Lauren a minute, which got bought out by Disney and I was getting checks by Disney. That was simply because I asked Larry Bundy Jr. when I got a, him for a little chat on my radio show. I asked, "Do you have any voice roles? Maybe you know, because I remember you being on the uh, Law." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, here you go." And he gave me that. Um, same with a YouTube channel called Top Lists. Again, that was Larry Bundy Jr. as well. With um, getting on board with 3D Realms games like Bombshell. That was because I interviewed uh, Fred and the guys from um, Interceptor, now Slipgate Studios. I interviewed them and said, uh, hey, you need some voice actors? And uh, they said, actually, it's a funny story to this. They basically said, we're looking for someone who can do a Macho Man Randy Savage impression. So we did it. That's so Fred. That is the most Fred thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Yeah, and they laughed and said, we've got to get you in our game right now. Oh, yeah. uh, Let's. Oh, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Randy Savage. I so I brought up wrestling earlier, but like, come on, man. It's it's a thing. It's totally a thing. <laughs> cool people are in touch with wrestling. It's like cool people are more interested in the politics of wrestling and the celebrities of wrestling rather than the wrestling itself. It's kind of funny in that regard. That is anyway. so true. <laughs> but anyway, like I say, so that's what it boils down to, really. Like mostly, mostly down to um, knowing the right people at the right time and getting contacts that way. That's mostly how I've gotten like a lot of my um, a lot of my stuff. Because like I'm pretty bad when it comes to um, auditioning. Because like I'm very unlucky with auditions, um, and that's kind of the reason why I don't really audition so much unless someone comes to me first. And basically says, Jake, could you audition for our game? And it's like, I will gladly audition. I'd love to. Whether they say, like, oh, if it's paid or not, that might kind of vary. But I think to myself, well, if it's fun, then maybe I could give it a crack. You know, as long as there's not too many lines. Um, But usually, I like to think I'm fairly flexible otherwise with certain uh, voice roles and stuff. Jake, you're being humble. It's pissing me off. <laughs> I'm serving up humble pie. Who wants a slice? Um, I, I guess literally read off your resume. It's like, all right, well, okay, this guy's got this guy's got a lot of talent. I should probably hire him for my project. Like, uh, <laughs> I appreciate the kind words, but um, 
with uh, again again it's like because it's like with certain certain performers i know people tell me that i'm gonna like big myself up a bit more but it's like you know certain performances i listen back to or remember and i think wow this really sucked but there's other performances where i think actually was that you think john st john looks at duke nukem and he's like i should have done some shit differently probably you're probably right probably does but yeah probably I i think sometimes Maybe. He's making that fucking narrow, bro. Like, that big fucking money. Um, I, just... I think, actually, I remember an interview with John St. John. I think, golden words he said when it comes to voice acting, you are your harshest critic. I think that's something that really stuck to me, that piece of advice. Stephen Waite? Same fucking thing. Stephen Waite, yeah. I wish I could get him on board for an interview, but sadly he's not interested. I've tried multiple times now, but... <sighs> Disappointing, really. You have a connection. You're, you're, a, you're a realm's deep entity. True, true, Stephen but Stephen Waite is deeply connected to them. I, I would pay him to be on my show. Like, I would. I, I, I'd actually give him money if I had to. But... He's he's a humble guy, and he's I guess he just prefers to keep to himself. He, he's told me that he doesn't really like talking about you know his past career. He kind of just enjoys it in the moment and just like you know goes for the next project. I can respect that. He's a okay. respectful guy, but you know it kind of sucks that kind of sucks he can't come on board someday. There's nothing wrong with that, but a conversation between Jake the Voice and Stefan Waite would be amazing. Right. Hell, I'd pay for that too. Yes, uh, I'll pay for you to talk to. Like, I, I won't even be involved in, in in the fucking interview. Like, I just, I just want to hear it. Like, let's <laughs> go do, do he, like a Caleb impression sound off. I mean, I, I like to think my Caleb impression is pretty good. Yeah, he's part of the union, which is a, a weird thing that I, I know. Yeah, is a. I don't have an opinion on the union. I I really don't like I've not studied it enough to actually like place my values on like oh yeah this is a good thing or a bad thing or whatever like if he's if Stephen Waite is benefiting from it cool whatever yeah it it's just an issue of like you know he's in Graven he's in uh he's in Dusk Gloomwood Gloomwood he's in a lot of amazing games that we all know and respect. And yeah. to say, if I had anything to say to Stefan, it's like, I get that you don't want to talk about, you know, your past career too much or like dwell on the past, but like you sort of potentially owe it to people who are obsessed, like, Truly, there are people who are obsessed with blood, right? Me. To, yeah, to to potentially like give us some, give us a little bit. Maybe it's not it's not on him. Like he doesn't have to, but it would really mean a lot to that community to hear from him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Kind of, to wet everyone's beak. I, I agree. I would love I would love it if he could kind of like just fan service us just a little bit by kind of. Even if it's just an open statement, just saying, hey, you know, thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> but 
guess we'll we'll wait and see if that ever happens. My next kind of segue, which is really improper and not fun at all. I would like to have your criticism or your critique ideas on interviewing someone because I know it's something that you've done quite often. And and I'm from a different perspective, right? Like you do it on the radio a lot. I do it on a podcast where I'm a little more free to dig into people and like just talk about whatever the fuck I feel like talking about. But yeah. I feel like what what you do has a has a merit that is totally important and totally there there are things to learn from the past that potentially could benefit the future even if I decide after we're done with this like yeah you know what fuck Jake he's dumb I'm not going to do that I want you to tell me what you think in terms of like your experience being interviewed today and what could be improved in the future and how you do it in your line of work with uh I mean critiquing this interview right now um I I've enjoyed it I've I've definitely enjoyed uh, this kind of free frame free uh, this free roam kind of stuff Usually, personally, I like to keep things a little bit more structured, so that way the transitions seem a bit more uh, natural. I get that sometimes even I can like go on a tangent to ramble on, but sometimes I gotta like you know pull myself back at uh, times. Um, but usually, again, with my interviews, though, that's how I like to keep it. I like to keep it. Um, I like to keep it kind of fixated in a certain pattern. Maybe a little bit of flex if I'm able to kind of work it in. But I guess the difference between an interview and a podcast, of course, you know, podcast should be a bit more. Uh, a little bit more balanced, you know. It's like, of course, the co the the host can talk as they want. If they've got a guest, then of course, you know, they're naturally going to probably put the guest on a bit of a pedestal. With interviews that I've done for my radio show, um, with radio interviews, what I try and do is kind of put ninety percent of the interviewee on the pedestal, let them talk, mm-hmm. and then me handle the questions. Maybe some funny little. Uh, Fun little banter or anecdotes and just, you know, the interview questions. But that's just how I do things. Some people are like, uh, some people do it differently. Some people like with, again, because interviews on a podcast, interviews on radio, two completely different mediums. But personally, when I do the interviews myself, I want to put the spotlights pretty much primarily on them. Let them start talking. I got to be totally candid and say that as much as I respect what you do, and mm-hmm. I think that it's cool and important to continue to do, you know, as long as you possibly can, radio is gone. Like, it's, and you can, you can push back. Please, please push back if you feel differently. Well, I feel, I well, feel like, rad- like live radio is just fucking done. Like, it's so structured and so, so like, in the moment, I don't feel like the the current generation can continue to appreciate that medium. And I have a, I want to go back a little bit before I, like, let you divulge on this. I have a deep respect for the radio. Like, I grew up in the radio generation. I, I, I have a deep respect for John St. John. He literally was a DJ in my hometown as a little boy, right? 
I just think that the homogenized and unfortunately totally corporate corporatized is is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Entity that is terrestrial radio in these days is indefeatable other than to resort to the internet where you have this open medium which is podcasting which i could never picture myself doing what you do i think what you do is totally admirable and beautiful i just couldn't picture myself being restricted by the rules and the position that you've seen yourself in so i'm really curious I, I I completely understand that. I think I don't. The radio I do is not paid. It's yeah. uh, community radio, not commercial, because I failed two interviews for commercial radio, and in the end, I thought, well, they don't want me. Why should I want them? It's like really restrictive and on, on rails the kind of stuff they do. Community radio, a lot more free flowing. Like I say, more creative freedom, creative input. Um, with in, in terms of whether it's like you know gone medium. I I mean, the, the Cyberdern on Siren Radio was actually one of the most popular shows on the station. So, and there's always like an increase in online listeners, especially like abroad. So, what we were doing was clearly tapping into, you know, that we were clearly tapping into a, an audience that were yeah. eager. We might, we might not have been household names. It's kind of like we we kind of likened ourselves to a bit of a cult classic. I think that what we, you do maybe you got a little bit sloppy. But. Is what made radio great when it was great. I just think that your days are limited, if that makes sense. Like, Well, I don't plan on doing it forever. Let's put it that way. I don't right. plan on doing radio forever. Whether or not whether or not I'm going to take on podcasting, which, again, this is something I always that always bugs me when people call the Cyberdown a podcast. It's like, it's a radio show. There's a bloody difference. But whether or not, personally, whether or not I'm going to give podcasting a try in the future... I think that I think I wouldn't say no to a bit. To be honest, it really depends on if I'm going to have like some kind of uh, some kind of audience already. Like if I dive in and I do episodes where I've got like three listeners f- per two hours, then I'm going to be like, screw this, I'm not going to bother because <laughs> the effort I put in, I hope there's going to be at least some kind of decent. I'm not expecting like a thousand views overnight because you know with my interviews I get like a hundred, two hundred. It's like eh, okay, as long as some people enjoy it. If more, great. I will personally produce the one in one radio show, like podcast or whatever. Like honestly, I'm you're crazy. You will (laughs) like you have a huge following. Like you have a really significant following for your magazine already. And the magazine, a mag, let's just be totally clear. A magazine is a thing of the past, just as radio is. If you were to make that step into modern media, it would be totally successful. It would, it would 100%. Like you would get so much good response. If you're satisfied with the response that you've gotten to E1M1 magazine so far, E1M1 podcast would be, it would eclipse in the keep, and I would be 100% happy to help you do it. <laughs> um, I think with an E1M1 podcast, this is actually something I've recently thought about. I, I mean, someone suggested it in the past, I wasn't too sure, but the more I think about it, I think it could be a possibility. 
I don't think it'll be a recurring thing. It might just be between maybe maybe chit chats between developers or just kind of just the staff themselves. Just maybe make it a little bit like, for instance, the uh, the, the I Regret Nothing podcast from uh, the uh, the guys at Running with Scissors, which, great, great which is pretty show. fun to kind of dip into. I, with Miss yeah, Slaughter. I hope I hope that I'll be invited someday. I I know Mike, and I've been waiting for my fucking invite. Like Mike, stop being a little bitch. Have me on the podcast. I was, I was going to say I started Postal Four. I've interviewed the Postal voice actors before anyone else for the you know the first time ever, and it's like uh, hopefully, hopefully Mike will go. You know, let's get him on board. But then again, maybe maybe it's just me who wants to kind of like you know prod him first. But I don't want to do that because I'm too shy. It's like Mike, please notice me. I don't I don't, I don't want to poke you first. It won't seem as impressive. I'm gonna text Mike. But um, it's it's what? Oh, don't thir- do that. <laughs> no, no, fuck Mike. Fuck Mike, right up <laughs> the, the arsehole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, tell him to have you and me on at the same time. <laughs> Best of luck. Uh, like I say, like I say, remember, Postal Four. Whenever this goes out, Postal Four. Stay tuned for the Wednesday update. Just keep in mind, there's a certain boss character that I'll be voicing, but I'm not gonna say who. Unless, unless it's two weeks later and it's already out, then you probably notice who I am. Um, let's see. I think you'll be out in two weeks. Is that fair? Yeah, two weeks roughly. And okay. end of uh end of January or so. That'd be fun. To see how it grows. Like everything that you guys do. Cause it, it, we finished the first run, like the first quote unquote season as you're putting it, of your yeah. magazine, which is three issues, plus the yes. zero, z- the zero, and we're, I don't know if you're considering that or not. But so this will be how many issues are we looking at for season two? Just four, five, six, four, or? four. Yeah, it's going to be four, five, six. That's going to be the main line. Okay. We're still going to crack on with the po- with the uh, Patreon stuff. We also. As a potential stretch goal, whether this goes through or not, or whether we create this independently later on, we're thinking of um, making like a half a magazine, pretty much primarily just reviews and uh, features that we made for Patreon, and then throw in some bonus goodies as well, like some exclusive stuff, like keep it exclusively uh, physical. So there's like kind of like collectors kind of um, kind of. I don't well, even know if you see. can read that. I can't. It's. I cannot read that in the slightest. It's. It's. Uh. Sorry. Sorry, webcam. It says that you should have Jacob E one M one on your podcast. Also, me. But fuck you either way. Kiss face. <laughs> to Mike J. His opening response. <laughs> in its typical Mike J way. He'll, um, he'll be up. But anyway, so like I say, we were hoping that um. Hopefully, bang out a um, like a you know like a limited edition run physical magazine, half the size of a typical E one M one mag. But I mean, who knows? I would love to make a full length, um, you know, like a, a full length proper bonus magazine that's maybe just physical only or something. Again, like Patreon stuff combined with um, bonus articles and things like that. I would love to do that. That would be so much fun to do. And I really hope that other people might uh, show interest in that as well. Maybe digital with like a very limited amount of physicals. I don't know. I don't know. But 
We'll see. What does it say? <laughs> so, immediate response. Let's just tell you what kind of person Mike, Mike Jarrett is. I'll put you both in my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> gold. Podcast gold. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> I'm sorry. Back to the interview. <laughs> That's what I love about po- see like this is what you don't get on radio that I love about podcasting is like we just we just texted Mike J and saw what he had to say. To, to be fair with radio, I think one of the benefits of that is like mm-hmm. sometimes it's good to have restrictions because okay. you got to find ways around said restrictions. I agree. That's something. That's something I like about that. Like you know. With some of the jokes we make and like the content that we can or cannot talk about, like um, like one of the features we do is bad voice acting in video games. And it's like, how do we do that? Because we can't go on YouTube and play these things because that's technically illegal. We can't play a, a YouTube video for more than eight seconds on the airwaves. We we can actually get uh, banned for for that. So it's like, okay, then I'm gonna go around, dig around some games, get recordings, edit them down, chop them up. And just make a compilation for each episode, and we'll just play them in real time, reacting, taking taking the taking the mech out of it. I think I think probably one of my favorite um, one of the favorite games has to be uh, funnily enough a build engine game. It's William Shatner's Tech War. We have made fun of that so many times uh, with Shatner's like just really crappy acting. It's like you know you, you go around you basically like, shoot all these civilians instead of doing your job, and Shatner's like he's like this like. Upset step parents or hey, I'll start trying to enterprise tattoo, ain't it? Um just before you start shitting on William. <laughs> big Trekkie here. Don't give me hey, big time Trekkie. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I respect William Shatner. I think very funny on Twitter especially. Um two things I'm uh, two things I'll make fun of him. His cover of Iron Man and William Shatner's Tech War. That those are the two things I'll laugh. Shatner, the cows come home. Shatner is one of those actors who, you know, this is like sixty, what sevens, eight, nine, when Star Trek was really kind of coming together. Yeah, yeah. Shatner never really made the transition from theater actor to to film actor. And I, I will 100% give that to anyone. Like, you can have that. If that's your criticism, take it. It's true. But goddamn, I love Captain Kirk. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, with, I mean, Shatner himself, it's not, it's not that Shatner's a bad actor. Cause no, he's a good actor. He's a, he's a talented bloke. It's just that, again, with, with Star Trek as Kirk, you know, he does great. William Shatner's Tech War, it's him reading poorly written kind of dialogue from a green screen where it's just like, you know, it's just like, um, (laughs) it's just going like awkward pause where he's just staring off camera, then suddenly, oh, quick, I'm uptown. I just saw Marty Dollar. He is down in this street, uh, I mean street, go down here. Smile and nod. Oh, right. uh, Mmm. You know, it's just, it just doesn't, 
It just doesn't translate well. It, it, anyone who hasn't seen, like, Civi 1-1's probably, like, like just, we'll, we'll give him that. Like, if you haven't seen his video on it, it don't play I, the game. Yeah. Was, just watch that, and you'll, you'll be fine. You're like... It, it was G-Man. G-Man made me realize how funny it was. Civi recorded more clips, and I used recordings from both of their reviews for the show until I managed to get yeah. more of it from like from YouTube, especially. And like I said, it's just so much fun. I, I recently uploaded like a, a YouTube clip of me and my mates kind of like making fun of him. It's like you know, it's like I don't believe this. You you did this and that. So the death toll is rising. Now get back out there and get me results. It's like, oh, <laughs> I am so mildly frustrated right now. It's it's almost, it's like pantomime acting. It's, it's, it's so, <laughs> to see this big name actor just completely flub it, it's brilliant. He was making his fucking money being as lazy as he possibly could be. And it's a... <laughs> Fuck yeah. And then he blocks anyone who talks about the game on Twitter. You, you ask him, hey, um, do you know anything about well, your uh, Shat- uh, Tech War game there, Shatner? Block. Oh. Why not? Fair enough. He can do whatever <laughs> he, he's, he's Captain Kurt. He can do whatever he wants, as far Good as I'm concerned. Fought, just vote on torpedoes, his detractors. Dude, um, I've got some hours in Star Trek Online. Like, I, I am the definition of a. Without the Spock ears. I'm tricky. Like, I'm all in. Shadow Toupee, yeah. But I will say, in in criticism to Captain Kirk, I'm a John Luke Picard guy. Like, it's just true. Like, you know, I'm, I'm all like ne- Next gen is better. That's just what it is. I like Spot. I like McCoy. I like Scott. Uh, actually, William Shatner is the weakest part of that show. <laughs> <laughs> Then again, we've seen his uh, we've seen his fighting skills, but then again, it's the sixties. You know, we will give him fl- give him. Let's some, give him uh, some fair shake that. on that, okay? Because we talked about wrestling before. Shatner actually learned how to, you know, TV fight because he was in Quebec, which was like a hot spot for pro wrestling at the yeah. time. So he learned how to TV fight from like Andre the Giant, like those guys. Like, all right, like, I know that. Yeah, he he kind of came from that era. So he like when you see Kirk fight on TV, that literally like what he does is like one hundred and one pro wrestling. It's it's like a hundred percent one hundred and one professional wrestling style TV acting. It's hilarious yeah. to me for okay. me to watch. Yeah, um, but I like it. Like it it's it's stupid. Everything, I mean, like, everything from Star Trek, the first season, is just fucking retarded. <laughs> to, for no better term. I'm sorry. Hey, it's to the point, at least. But, that's true. Like, it, he's just crazy. Like, he's just doing, like, drop kicks. He literally, like, it's his signature move is to drop kick his opponent. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. You've been on for a long time. If you want to call it a day at any point, you call it. Um, yeah, I think now might, I mean, now or soon might be a good time so I can, uh, you know, probably get myself <laughs> some supper in the system. I mean, unless there's anything else you want to like throw last minute in here. No, man, you've been great. You've been fantastic. And as a, uh, as an interviewer, you've been fantastic. 
So anytime okay. you ever want to come back on the show, I I really want to build a repertoire of kind of like recurring guests on in the yeah. keep. I think you'd be great. Please do. Yeah, I'd I'd love to get on board. I'd love to get on board. I've had a great time, and thank you. I think everything that you're doing with in one in one is fantastic. This is so good for. I, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but it would be literally stupid for anyone who's involved in the retro shooter community to, in any way, disparage anything you do. Like you're you're doing a broad, beautiful service for this group of people. So thank you. Strongly. Really appreciate it. All really, right. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the kind words, this opportunity and the stuff you do. I gotta check out more of the stuff you're doing. I'm really grateful for everything. But all the all the like saying all the support and the constructive criticism and, and anything like that. I'm really grateful for everyone and everything. So thank you as well and thank you for anyone out there who's listening too. All awesome. Have a banana. <laughs> Big thank you to Jake for finally making his way onto the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to get to spend some time with him and get to know him a little bit better. Make sure you're checking out his radio show, The Cyber Den on Siren FM. Also, you know, if you're looking for someone to do some sick voice acting and you just got done listening to two straight hours of his gorgeous voice, perhaps hit him up. See if he's right for the job. That'd be really cool. And uh, absolutely, obviously, make sure you get in on e1m1 magazine the second kickstarter is underway and the second season of amazing content will be out it is an excellent source I and mean, if you like in the keep and you're looking for more games uh they, they're gonna hit you with way more content than i could possibly uh send your way as far as like check out this game check out this game check out this game and like rating it and all that kind of stuff it's it's a beautiful thing and i, I really want to support it and i hope that you do too gotta say thank you to our supporters paul moose dots zach alexander brad red eyes anthony robert jack brandy fred lord revan and zan you are all wonderful and greatly appreciated thank you each so much for being patrons if you're out there listening you're like how do i get my name on that list uh, go to inthekeep.com forward slash support. You'll find links to our Patreon as well as many other ways to give back to the community a little bit monetarily. You can also check out our many affiliate links. I'll hit you with a few right now. Why don't you consider when you're doing your Amazon shopping, which I know you are, just go through our link instead. We'll get a little bit of a kickback from that. It's really helpful. We've uh, It doesn't matter what you fucking buy. And I won't know who you are if you buy something crazy weird. You can buy whatever you want whatever you want on Amazon. And uh, yeah, just a small percentage of that will come back. Actually, I think gardening tools, that kind of stuff is the most profitable. So if you're like me and you're into gardening and you buy some shit on Amazon, that's probably like the most percentage we'll get out of it. But if you're just trying to build a new computer or something like that, it'd be really cool. Helps support the end that keeps projects. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Everybody wins. We also have a link there for Buzzsprout. If you are considering getting into podcasting yourself and you don't know how to distribute it, I highly recommend you use our Buzzsprout affiliate link and uh, support the show while also getting yourself into a fantastic service. 
I'm not advertising for them. It's just like a, I use Buzzsprout and they give me this option and it's a win-win for everybody. But yeah, if you want your stuff on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and everything else, they always keep us up to date on what the newest, greatest platforms to put your podcast on are all the time. So that's a great option. To you for listening, I want to say thank you. Really, really appreciate it. You're awesome. I love you. The Drowned God Katala loves you. Till next time, stay in the keep.